join with me in turning to uh, the gospel according to John, chapter 12. And we're going to read eight verses here. And actually, we're going to stand, so I'm going to get your exercise in, okay? Bear with me. We uh, we always stand for the reading of the gospel, so stand with me here. And I'm going to be reading from the uh, RSV, so it'll be slightly different than their pew Bibles there. This is the Word of God. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave him a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said... Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Teach us now from this word, we pray by your Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Last week... Jesus taught us through the parable of the two sons or the prodigal son parable that he is a prodigal God. That means that he lavishly and extravagantly gives. Almost to us it seems wasteful. And in particular, seeing sinners come in and the righteous uh, who were the Pharisees of the day, they didn't like that very much to see this sort of extravagant graciousness of God. And yet we realize he is a prodigal God. And this story here shows again a moment of prodigal giving in the same nature as God gives. And Jesus notes this and gives us this passage right before Palm Sunday. As you know, this is actually leading up to the events. Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. He knows he's going to the cross. This is going to happen, and nothing will stand in his way. And and for today, uh, the church in all of its wisdom gives us this little text here, this interesting text of Mary. And we've seen her before, right, with Martha, with Lazarus. And she's been at the feet of Jesus before, hasn't she? In fact, three times we see her at the feet of Jesus. Do you remember Martha's hurried Serving, and there she is at the feet of Jesus, enjoying what is best. And then we see her at the feet of Jesus when her brother Lazarus dies, saying, Lord, if only you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And now we see her once again at the feet of Jesus. You see a common pattern with Mary. We are called to be Mary. We are to spend time at the feet of ...of Jesus our Lord. When's the last time that happened for you? When's the last time you just sat at his feet... ...and enjoyed him? Not begging him for this or that. 
not with a list, not with an agenda, but you spent time with the risen Lord. You've already heard from our two testimonies this morning from our brother and our sister that you can be around the things of God and yet not know God. We must be about knowing Jesus Christ for that is eternal life. And today, in our story, uh, Mary opens up a perfume that is about the price of a year's wage. So let's just say, for all intensive purposes, that maybe an average income in America is somewhere around $45,000. Wow, she breaks this all open in one moment and fills the entire house with this fragrance. And of course... Judas isn't the only one asking questions here, by the way. When we read in the other Gospels, uh, the other disciples are actually asking the same question. Judas's motive, however, is different. He's got a sinister motive that he's kept hidden, but that Christ knows, and that John here parenthetically tips us off to, doesn't he? Did you notice there's two parenthetical statements here? John's like, by the way, this is the one who's going to betray Christ. By the way, he's doing this because he doesn't care about the poor, but rather he cares about himself. And he was uh, stealing and he was a thief. I just want to pause and say today, some of you may be stealing from God. What if the Bible was written about you? Would he look at your purse and see that you are pocketing what is his? It's a real possibility, isn't it? Malachi tells us this, doesn't he? Malachi says, will you rob God, if we look at all the money that we bring in and that we, quote, make, it truly is, according to the scripture, a gift of God. And if a gift of God, then it's his and he's letting us use it. So those of us that that have quite a bit of money, then, hey, be glad and joyful that he allows you to use that much money. But be careful. There's many warnings in scripture to be careful about money. And there's one way to talk about this, really, is, is to talk about it as our treasure, right? And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And we need to be very careful that our pocketbooks stay very close to our heart, don't they? And this isn't just a, a ploy to try to get you to give a bunch of money today. Only God knows what you should give. I don't, nobody, we don't ask for bank statements here. We don't ask for tax that we... Listen, we, we barely get done what we need to around here, okay? And it's safe the way we do it, but we don't need to be snooping around in people's lives. You know what should be given. And just like the woman who gave the two mites, it's not so much how much you give, just as uh, John was telling us a moment ago, but rather how much you're going to keep for yourself. That's what that story tells us. And so Jesus shows us through this story a radical moment of giving where really we could all question say, isn't that money better used somewhere else, Jesus? I mean, the poor surely could have used that better than just filling a room and wastefully doing this. This is only going to last a couple days and then it's over. And Jesus says, leave her alone. Leave her alone. You talk about throwing a wet blanket on a fire... Judas knows how to do this, doesn't he? And he tries to do this. He tries to mess up a moment. It had already been broken open, and once broken, impossible to put back in. And yet he's going to be negative about it. No matter what, this was from Mary's heart. Like it or not, 
it was from Mary's heart. And you know, when things come from the heart, people know. When I was a kid, I wanted to express my love to my mother. And uh, I see this same sort of desire in my own children. And so what I did, I spent about 30 minutes going out and picking flowers. Now, I didn't go to a florist. I picked them from our yard. Now, our yard had weeds. <laughs> Remember my sermon from a couple weeks ago? And uh, dandelions were one of the things. But I made a bouquet. I did those little purple, you know, those little purple uh, weeds. I did the little dandelions that are like yellow. I threw in a couple of those ones that you blow away. I don't know what those are called. And uh, I put it all in a bouquet and I handed it to my mother. And when she received it, she received it as if I'd spent $1,000 on a bouquet. Why? Because she knew the heart of her little boy was giving in the best way that he knew how. That's capturing the moment of what happened here. When the room is filled, it's not just filled with this perfume. It's filled with Mary's love at the feet of Jesus, her Savior. The one who had saved her, yes, but also saved her brother and would save the world. You see, this gift of Mary, she's kind of like the only one who really believed what Jesus said. He had been telling the boys... For weeks and weeks, I will go to Jerusalem, I will die, and I will resurrect. They didn't do much with that. But Mary does. She believes it. And she anoints him ahead of time. Because guess what? The next day, what's going to happen? The triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. It's what we'll celebrate next Sunday. Literally tomorrow in, this, in today's text will be next Sunday. And once in Jerusalem... Once in Jerusalem, he will go to the cross for us. And he too will be broken, won't he? And he too will fill the world with the aroma of Christ, of the Messiah, of the anointed one, the one anointed here in our story. Now our brothers and sisters come to us all the way from Africa, all the way, all because, all because of a first century Jew who was God in the flesh who was willing to open up his life and be broken for us what a God that is who has saved us and so many before us and we pray so many around us and we are called too just as him to go to the cross just as him to be broken open, extravagantly given for those who don't know him. To be a sweet-smelling aroma. You say, well, Pastor, how can we do that? Well, your treasure is one way. That's kind of a simple way. It's an objective way. It's one that can be measured, right? It's like, okay, God, you gave us this much money this year or last year then we're giving you this. This is, this is yours, this 10%. And then be above and beyond that, we're going to do that. But not only money, and, and although you know, I'm not apologizing for talking about money, trust me, talk to Jesus about that one if you don't like it. The other one, though, is our talents. What things do you have to offer? What training at your job even can God use to further his kingdom? You talk about uh, Simon being a, wanting to be an engineer. You're surrounded by him here. This is the engineering mecca here in Huntsville, by the way. 
But I think God is using you to engineer his kingdom and the spread of it around the world, sir. And you know what? He called fishermen to be what? Fishers of men. Whatever kind of job you have, garbage people, whatever. Listen, he wants to use that to further his kingdom. He's calling us all. No one is without call here. We're all being called to give of our talents. And then, of course, our time. And time is life, isn't it? When I give someone my time, I'm giving them my life. And so if you want to give your life to Christ, it means you will give him your time. And not just time left over, but the best time. You give, you give things that you love your best time. And we ought to give God first in the morning the best time. Or maybe it's afternoon for you. Or maybe at lunchtime. Or maybe in the evening. We ought to give God our best time. And that includes serving others. It includes doing what... These guys here are, are, have been gone for already a month, roughly. They're going to be here another two months. Three months of their life are being given to evangelize, and I'm praying, stir up the American church. Because if you know anything statistically, Christianity, the center of it, has moved all around the world. It's been different places. It's been in America for a long time, but no longer. Africa will be the center of Christianity, as far as we can tell, in the next 20 to 50 years. And so these brothers and this sister today are really coming to us ahead of time. to stir up the American church so it doesn't die out completely. And we need to pray for them. And we need to pray for the church here in America. This is not some little podunk local thing that we're trying to do. This is a global event. And it all starts because of one person, Jesus Christ. And he's the one who unites us in spirit and in truth, the truth of his word. So as we approach Jerusalem next week at Palm Sunday. And then the cross and the tomb. Don't go the path of Judas. Do not steal from God. Now is not the time. Lent is a time to give with open hand extravagantly, wastefully, radically giving. Don't always just try to be calculating and careful and conservative. When it comes to the things of God, the more we give, trust me, the more we will receive. It is the law of the kingdom. But it is not the law of finances, is it? (laughs) It's not the law of politics, but it is the law of the kingdom. I dare you to try it. Try to outgive God in the ways that we've said. Money, your talents, and and your time. Instead, be like Mary who returns over and over again to the feet of Jesus, worshiping him, bowing before him. You come today to his feet and then come to his table where once again Christ is broken for us and distributed for us to consume and to have and to use and to move out from this place in mission. Come to his table. So, next two weeks... What path will you take? That of Mary or that of Judas? Choose the best portion, Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.